Today's show is being brought to you by individual contributors through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash game to help support the show. And thanks. Okay, parents. Is writing important? Does it matter if your child is an excellent writer? What about other types of communication? Does texting count as writing? Well, today we're going to answer these questions and many more on the Education Game Podcast. So uh, Matt and I are very excited uh, today. Uh, We've got uh, a very good friend of ours and uh, more importantly, just a leader in uh, the whole art of writing uh, and uh, writing is communication. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Robin uh, Riggler, and uh, Robin is uh, getting ready to uh, release a book shortly. Uh, we want to hear more about that later. Uh, but uh, how I came to know Robin, and, and I think Matt is the same, uh, same case, uh, Robin uh, led a very important group uh, in Houston, Texas, called Writers in the Schools. Yes. And she just recently uh, retired. And uh, the first thing I want to uh, say to you, Robin, is thank you, thank you, thank you for all of the years and hard work keeping writing on the uh, on, on the radar screen uh, for not only us as adults, but more importantly, uh, young children and uh, young young adults. So thank you, and and welcome to uh, the education game. Definitely, thank you. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me, Scott. I, I, real quick, I just want to and Dr. Robin, I don't even know if you know this, but Writers in Schools was the first time that anyone had said to my daughter or my or my son for that daughters or son, what do you want to write about? Right. Let's start there, and now and let's not just start. Let's not just write a term paper. Let's write about something fantastic. Right. So. Anyway, so Robin, um, I would like to hear a little bit of your origin story. How did you get into writing? I know you, you've got a book that's coming out in a few months, but how did you get to this place and how did you, you know, how did you fall in love with, with writing and communicating? Um, my parents owned a, a general store in a little town in Arkansas and my uh, mother gave me what she called a journal uh when i was 13 it i found out years later it was actually an accounting notebook which is a little ironic but it, it had the red and blue lines across and vertically and it was really didn't know math, anything. Yeah. but i didn't know and i got my journal and i just started writing i think she had heard me reading i was the oldest and my brother was the youngest and i read to my brother Uh, when he was little and when he got tired of that we would make up stories and sort of lie in the dark you know and play with the flashlight up at the ceiling and each dot from the flashlight was a a dot boy and we'd make up stories about the adventures of dot boy you know and things like that and I, I realized also later that my mother I think wanted to watch a soap opera and that's why she had me reading to him from it was like one to two every afternoon. So what I'm hearing is we need to encourage soap operas. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> All right. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Thank you. And and self-interest in parents is an important thing, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 
yeah. no, my parents yeah. were great and they, uh, they were interviewed for uh, something a few years before they died. And, uh, they were, it was about the store, right? The general store. And they, she told the interviewer, well, all the children worked in the store and the interviewer said, did they like it? And she said, oh, no, they all hated it. <laughs> but at least it taught them that they wanted to do something other than working in retail. So anyway, I think my origin really is about, um, you know, being shy and having a chance to say what I had to say when I was young. Um, and that journal was where I started. Hmm. And I still actually keep a journal. But I wanted to be able to sort of be in the conversation as a, as a kid. And writing gave me more confidence to actually ask for what I wanted to say. You know, I, I had things in the newspaper all the time in the little town. I mean, it was a newspaper that also had this week's biggest tomato in it. So, you know, it wasn't the Chronicle exactly, but writing a was a way to power for me. Oh. And I think that's why I became a writer and why I really wanted to be involved with something like writers in the schools, because writing and communicating clearly is a form of power. It's important. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's very well said. Yeah. So, uh, Robin, um, Matt and I had a, a, a debate this morning. Um, we were uh, talking and prepping for this, uh, this interview and, uh, uh, I, I said something like, you know, the 140 characters has really, uh, in my opinion, stunted uh, creative writing. But Matt, what, what did you say back to me, Matt? So, I mean, I agree with that, Scott, but I've heard some, some folks saying that, well, because they're writing more, because they're actually typing on the screen, that's actually a good thing. I mean, they're using emojis. They're using terrible grammar. I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think, Dr. Robin? <laughs> Well, I think that I think that finding ways to communicate that are new is something that teenagers are always going to be doing hmm. at all times. And right now it's texting and it is writing and they have to be able to figure out ways to communicate within the 140, 280 characters or the picture that is on Instagram or, you know, all the other forms of social media. Right. But the desire to communicate is something that we all have. And that is the thing that remains constant. Um, when I was a child, I can remember getting a telephone to put in my own room. Whoa. My sister, I was the oldest, right? My sister and brother are furious. They're like, <laughs> what? Mom loves she you best. A telephone in her own room. Mom loves right? you more. <laughs> but it, you know, it's just it's it's just every new age has its new form of technology, its new form of communication. And you know, as as kids, we want to be able to communicate. We want to be able to make friends. Uh, we want to have a social life. Yeah. And that happens to be uh, the way it's being done now. And it, I, you know, I like that they're writing. They can also get themselves into trouble a lot. And, and that, and so I think we're, we're all parents. So I think yes. we've probably seen yes, that. Yes, I know yeah. my, my, one of my kids, you know, comes to me regularly and says, Oh, I can't believe I, 
I sent this to the wrong chat group, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but I do so, believe that, you know, the desire to connect is the constant thing and that we are always finding ways to do that. We want to have friends. We want to have family. Yeah. We want to be close. Sure. Sure. So Robin, so Robin, let's, let's talk a minute about media literacy. So uh, when I was in the school district, uh, I worked hard. I know you did too. Uh, other folks in Houston to get some sort of media literacy course um, around like the middle school age, right? Um, what, like, why, like, especially in this day and age, why isn't media literacy like a required learning? Um, inside, or even for that matter, outside of the school day? I, I can't answer that. And I've never really been a part of the school district, but I can uh, agree with you that it is important. And as parents, we are having to do it ourselves, I think. I mean, that's in my family, we, are, we have done that. Um, you know, I... I, you know, I talk to my kids about it regularly, and a lot of times they learn by mistakes, you know, which is how we learn many things. Um, and I don't know why it's it's not being taught. I think really, though, you know, English is my subject, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And certainly in in the English classroom, I know many people who are, you know, sort of teaching other forms of media besides the written word on the paper page, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's important. And, you know, I, I think the basic skill that I hope that children learn and young people learn in school is to ask good questions. And that yeah. is something that can be taught through any media. Um, yeah. I can remember uh, when my children were little, they did not watch TV per se. They watched everything, you know, on videos or yeah. Netflix or things like that. And the first time they ever saw ads on TV, it was the Olympics. Uh -huh. And that was a special <laughs> occasion that we were all watching the Olympics. And all of a sudden, you know, the ice skater would stop and then somebody would talk about a pillow. Potato and chips. The kids were like, what is going on here? And it was so funny. But the youngest one said, I need that pillow. You know, like she was, She's, you know, they promised that you would sleep better. And she, she was like, why don't we get that pillow? You she know, was a sitting duck. Us. And that was the beginning. Of media literacy. Media literacy. Yes. Yeah. My family. But so, I think yeah. that it can happen in a classroom and it can happen in the English language arts classroom. And hopefully it does happen uh, a lot, uh, yeah. you know, because asking those questions is so important. That's right. And so I want to, yeah, I want to check, check in because, um, you know, having been at writers in the schools for 25 years, something like that, right? You yes. have seen mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of families come through there. Uh, families like mine who, again, you know, I was hoping my kids would get inspired and they were. Can you give us a story about a family who uh, who kind of stood out to you in that experience? At, or maybe a, you could probably give me hundreds, but uh, a family that stood out to you in terms of their of, of how writing changed uh, their kids and maybe their entire family? Mm hmm. Um 
I'll tell you a story about a kid named Chelsea. I'll mm -hmm. leave off the last name. And she started camp when she was uh, four. It was so it was pre-K. Yeah. And um, she she had a a small family, but a big extended family. And I went to the end of the summer celebration where the kids perform a play that they have written themselves. And I'm telling you more than half the room was Chelsea's family. Well, wow. Chelsea, I met Chelsea's family and I continued to see them every summer all the way through. Wow. She, she went to college, got a scholarship, and, but found out that in the fine print, after the first year, the scholarship ended. And she was like, uh-oh. She came back to Houston, did some work at the community college, wrote a letter to the president of the university, and it was a letter. Yes. A well-crafted scholarship reinstated. Is that right? Yeah. So, and then she, after that, she spoke at our uh, the writers in the schools gala. But she she went into politics. She's really uh, into racial and social justice, and she's been working in Boston all these years. That's where she went to college, and she just was named something in the. Uh, not in the cabinet, but in the Biden-Harris administration. Is that right? And it was on <laughs> Facebook, of course, that she's now in the federal government and was appointed. And so it's like, wow, that that is one. That is one story. Yay, Chelsea. Yeah. So and that you, that... and you met and you met her when when she was four, and you've you've tracked her all. Wow. But that goes That's right. Awesome. That goes right back to what you mentioned a moment ago. That writing is a way to power. A, a well-crafted written letter is 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 powerful, right? And and she she learned that earlier and then began to advocate for herself. That is beautiful. That's a great story. It is, and you know, of course, her family was right there behind her and with her, and you know, they believed it too. You know, they had her there every year. But um, it is. It, it's a great story. And she's a great kid now grown up. Yeah, it sounds like it. Scott? Okay, Robin. So I'm, I'm writing a blog uh, this, this week. And uh, the, the working title is uh, Writing as Learning. Yes. Um, so here's the question. Um, do you think that you can learn as a strategy uh, by writing. So, so for, for an example, if we took a, a young learner and we said, okay, you're not going to seven classes today. Um, what we're going to do is um, you're going to learn through writing. And by the end of this, this experience, um, we will, you know, we feel as though you will probably learn as much through the writing and the research and everything connected to it uh, as if you had spent seven class periods for 180 days. Do you, mm -hmm. do you, like, do you think that that is a valid 
point of view, or do you think that that's just Scott being crazy? I would say, first of all, that writing is a discovery process. So through writing, we definitely learn more about what we think, more about who we are. Um, with technology today, we, we constantly we can do research. And so I definitely think that we can learn a lot through writing. For you, Dr. Scott, I think those seven hours of just writing would work well. For a, a less competent writer, I think that that big block of time would need some structure and some shape questions, I think, that might be helpful hmm. in figuring out what the student thinks. Sort of so like a scaf I, scaffolding process. Exactly. Right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think that those kinds of things are helpful. It also depends on the kind of learner. So as, as you know, there people learn things in different ways. Yeah. But, you know, for some young people, it might be research would be the most helpful thing. It might be research yeah. on the computer. It might be research in books. Um, but for some young people, conversation is going to be the way to go. Yeah. And so that might be a way to do it. Perhaps, you know, a conversation that lasted 15 minutes and then 30 minutes of writing some more and then checking back in. But I think that, you know, for someone who is a skilled writer, just having that block of time works. And for someone who is just learning, you know, having check-ins regularly yeah. will help. Yeah. More structure, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. In terms of okay, we're going to write for seven hours. Begin <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right? Beginners yeah, that would be need more structure, right? In the, yeah. in the whole scaffolding process. That's yeah, right. so so one of the things that I want to talk about in my blog um, is why writing across the curriculum never really worked uh -huh. inside of school. Uh -huh. Do you have an opinion on that? Because I remember, I, I was thinking back in my 25 years in HISD and even at A+, uh, I think that was talked about at least five times over those 35 years, that we were really going to get kids to write across the curriculum. And it it basically, uh, it, it, it didn't happen, all, you know, like all, all seven times. Do you have any... Right. Any, any I, opinion I on think, that, Robin? I think that a lot of times people who are teaching something other than writing imagine the opposite of what you just asked me. In other words, they do not see writing as a form of discovery, but a form of basically reciting back exactly yeah. what they have been told or what they have learned. And that is not an empowering situation. You know, if say, you know, you tell kids, I don't know, how to bake bread and you give them the steps and ask them to memorize it. And then the question is, how do you bake bread? Right, that is not very empowering no. because it's just rote memorization basically. That's right. I think 
the ideal way that writing becomes a, a key part of any class is that in the writing, the student is asked to assimilate things and to imagine things and to create things so that it really is more personal. And I think in general, that the more personal education feels to our students, the more value it's gonna be. That's it, that's it. Um, people ask me all the time, what should my kids read this summer? Mm. And I always say, they should read something they love right. this summer, right? And they're like, well, I want my kid to read- Yeah, Moby Dick. Hamlet, and the kid <laughs> wants to read Captain Underpants. <laughs> and it's like, read Captain Underpants. And yeah. they're like, well, she's already read all of Captain Underpants. And I'm like, it's fine, you right. know, just read and find things that you love. To go back to your question, I think, you know, making that process problem solving, making it sort of innovative, asking a kid to do something rather than recite something is going to be what's going to make the writing integral to any class across the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Dr. Robin, you reminded me of a story. I mean, gosh, there's so many things that I want to reiterate real quick. So first off, that writing is a form of discovery. That part is something that I think Dr. Scott and I, I think we were just talking about this a couple days ago. I've been writing a ton, more than I've ever written in my life. And everything now in terms of my beliefs, you know, what I think makes sense, all that is now becoming clear to me. And I'm able to communicate in a way verbally that I never was able to do before I started writing. So that's that's incredibly important. The empowering part, I think that's so parents, I hope that you're listening and you hear this point that Dr. Robin made. Asking kid a kid to recite back something that they have learned or something that they were, they were taught is disempowering. Asking the child to explore and to share what they have have discovered, that's actually really fun. Uh, and so the story that you reminded me of was a, a kid who hated writing and he, he somehow got connected to a, um, a teacher who just took him under his wing and said, you know what, I want you to write a um, your review of, what's, what's your favorite movie? Write a review on that. Just keep it short. You know, half-page review on your favorite movie. Tell me now. I want you. And then he brought it back. Tell write it. Write an ad that that talks about that favorite movie. Now, now, mm -hmm. now, tell me about the score. Write write a, a a description of the score. Right. So just kept getting getting the student to kind of find things that he'd never really thought about before. And so it was so great to hear, and so great to hear you reflect that. I hope the parents listening hear that really, really well. And really push against this idea that the only writing that matters is writing that you are regurgitating for an assignment and for a test. So I'm going to step And down. it's really, the, these are things that you can model at your dinner table, at your family gathering, your family Zoom. Beautiful. So that it's not how are you doing today, but, you know, like, what are three bright spots from your day today? Yes. What did Matt, you discover? You know, what, 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 what was life like when what do you think your life will be like when you're my age what will you be doing i mean really having them sort of thinking about like the future or the family i think telling family stories stories that 
I don't know, reflect the resilience of your family and the work ethic of your family and all those things. But I think those things all can be modeled in everyday life. That's beautiful. Hey, Matt, uh, one one uh, other uh, point that uh, Robin made earlier that I want to uh, accentuate with parents, and that is, the, and, and you just alluded to it, Robin, you know, the, the importance of good questions, mm. right? So if you ask the, if you ask a learner, you know, when, when I was a kid, I used to go fishing a lot, right? And uh, my, my uh, uh, uncle would always say, you got to bait the hook. You got to have really uh-huh. good bait, right? And yeah. that's what I kind of learned is that the question is really the bait on the hook, right? So, uh, so this has been, uh, this has been fascinating. Um, so uh, before we close, Robin, real quickly, uh, we're, we're living in strange times. Uh, give our parents uh, one piece of advice uh, during this pandemic uh, when kids are around probably more uh, than usual. Uh, one piece of advice they, uh, that you can give them uh, to help their kids uh, pursue the love of writing? Good question. I would say to center story in your family hmm. and it works differently at different ages, but I think storytelling, both parents telling stories and young people telling stories is such a powerful bond. And that bond is what we are struggling with, right? We're, we're isolated, we're quarantined, Many people are still remote learning. So I think to sort of make sure there are opportunities to tell stories again and again on a regular basis, make it a ritual. I think that's so important. Reading together, reading out loud. In my family, we did it. We still do it, actually. The kids are teenagers. But it's actually, we. many people think that reading out loud is something you do with kids who can't read yet. But there's actually something very powerful about having read out loud the same story and getting to talk about it. And so I think, you know, we're very focused as a society and we're we're pretty STEM oriented too. Mm. But Mm. really the things that motivate us to become a scientist, to become an astronaut to become a mathematician stories are behind all of that wow right the desire to do something huge and i think that the the storytelling is underrated and something that can be a part of everyday life so that would be my suggestion fantastic hey robin we've got about 30 seconds uh tell us uh, uh, about the book <laughs> okay um The book is something I've been working on for a long time. It's poetry. uh, And many of the poems are about my uh, sort of upbringing in Arkansas. And then beyond that, um, the image, one one of the images on the cover is a barn. And it's a photograph of an Arkansas barn that my father took. And uh, my daughter, who is a student at HSPVA, made a collage of the barn, all these photographs by my dad and words from my poems and put them together. And they use that to make the cover. So 
Nice. I'm very excited about it. And the nice. title, Into the The, is sort of like about the discovery process, going into language, into the the. Mm. And it's it comes, it refers to a famous line by a poet, Wallace Stevens. So and I'm, it, I'm excited for it to come out. And, and it already uh, won an award. It won an award, yeah. didn't it, Robin? It won a prize. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So and uh, the press is called Backlash Books, and their website yeah. is backlashbooks.com, and there'll be pre-order possible in the next week. So. Fantastic. And awesome. Thanks Best of luck with that. So, so Matt and I knew this was going to be a great interview and uh, you did not disappoint. Definitely. Uh, oh, best of luck you. with the, uh, with the, with the book, Robin, and uh, just uh, keep on keeping on because the world needs more Robin Wrigglers to, uh, you know, teach us all the importance of not just writing, but communication. Uh, it's Thank it's you. just so important right now. Well, you did it again. You spent a half an hour listening to Dr. Scott and I ramble along. I hope it was helpful. We want to thank you, Dr. Scott and I, for taking the time today to listen to the show. The education game exists to build a world in which parents and their families become better and better and better at building children who are curious, independent, lifelong learners. That's what we're about. In our experience, this type of outcome does not happen by accident, and it certainly doesn't happen in school. That's why Dr. Scott and I want to help you along this journey. We encourage you to check out our website at theeducationgame.com. You'll find articles, podcasts, and resources to help you along your path. And on that website, you can also click the contact button and schedule a free one-on-one conversation with Dr. Scott or myself. And this is a service that's underwritten by supporters on our Patreon page. To become a supporter, go to patreon.com, the education game, and contribute. And again, remember, no contribution is too small or too big. Again, the website is theeducationgame.com, and we look forward to speaking with you again right here on the Education Game Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.